0: really the only way of tackling this uh, is really to come up with uh, personalized, perceived uh, medicine tools. And this is the mission behind ILOF is really helping uh, clinicians, uh, hospitals, uh, uh, researchers and pharmaceutical groups develop uh, tailor-made personalized medicines that work for you, uh, even in a case where medicine will not work for all.
1: On today's show, CEO and co-founder of ILOF, Luis Valente, talks to us about the need to try and find a cure or treatment that's successful for Alzheimer's. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast, which features interviews and news from across the technology industry. So, uh, Akish, do you like Star Wars out of interest? Uh, Kind of. Well, we'll start on something different. We won't go down that <laughs> route at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: not with <laughs> that. It's okay. I'm, 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 I haven't seen all of them. I've seen I was going to
1: say that yeah. I, I listened to a podcast with Mark Kermode and Jack Howard. Jack wow. Howard is um, a film critic, uh, and I posted on Twitter. He's got like 280,000 followers, so he's you know he's, oh. he's done well. Uh, just going, yeah, I really liked it. It was interesting. Cause I'm, I'm not massive on Star Wars, but, you know. Uh, anyway, I kind of like tagged him and Mark Komode. never obviously expecting a reply, because when, yeah. when you tag anyone who's got like nearly 300,000 followers, they don't reply. Yeah, yeah. He ended up having a full-on conversation with me and Jack. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not a massive Star Wars fan either, so don't worry. It's quite nice. You know, this big uh, film yeah. 300,000 followers, get into a conversation yeah. with me and Jack, telling Jack it... that he's
2: wrong, <laughs> as in Jack Pierce, not Jack Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's all right, you know, to be fair. It- it's a good time for people like that to actually get in touch Talk with. Talk to me, Jack. You no, know, no, just get in touch with, with, with like, you know, people that, that follow them and, and their fans or, or admirers of their work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you hear it all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, social media is so great. We interact with our fans. But, I mean, I don't see the, the big celebs, you know, kind of talking, replying or saying thank you or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because things like that. Especially when you think about where people are at the moment and everyone's a little bit fragile, a bit on edge, yeah, things like that might make someone's day, you know. Um, oh, you, mate, you, I, I was, I was, you know, like, you don't How? know, yeah, exactly. I, he was perfectly polite and lovely and he engaged
1: <laughs> yeah. with us, and that was very nice, and well, it made my go. day, so exactly. And I right. bet you,
2: yeah, there you go, see, point,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. So that, that start. We brought it round, key. You might not like Star Wars, but there was relevance there. You mentioned as well before we hit record, it is uh, Tom's oh, 100th birthday, Captain Tom.
2: Yeah, Colonel Tom now. As Colonel says. Tom, yes, Colonel sorry. Tom. He's Colonel been given a new title, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, well done him. Well done him. 30 million. 30 million raised for the NHS. That's that's going some. Um, I did.
1: I've seen some odd posts, right, where people have gone yeah it's really important that we remember that the NHS is not a charity we pay for it in our taxes it's like yeah we know we pay for it in our taxes that's absolutely fine but there's nothing wrong with someone supplementing right now and it's under a strain with yeah. something good like this like the the nominate five run five thing uh you know if yeah. I give five uh run five nominate five yeah all right it's, it's it's giving charitable money to the NHS the NHS is not a charity but they're under strain and if you can help support them and show a bit of oh. appreciation I don't know why people are getting a bit funny about that
2: yeah massively and also when our tax codes and budgets are all kind of sorted out at the start of each year or what have you they don't factor in coronavirus I mean no no business did no government did you know no. if, if, if you ask them I don't know six months ago when you were looking at kind of budgets for the for this year there is not one business in the world that can no. tell me and say they plan for this so you know the more help the the, the better it is and and for people okay. in the UK we're just we're lucky to have something like that and, and the John. ppe that's been flying in from you know god knows where I mean, China. Just, yeah you, did you see that i got delivered some oh yeah i did see that yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. sent a video around didn't you Here it is. there you go <laughs> really
1: really good for the podcast i just showed it over over camera to a quiche. but uh yeah yeah thought i <laughs> bought some trainers ppe turned up <laughs>
2: mate it's it's for your need they're trying to tell you to stay home and don't leave and start running <laughs> i don't think
1: it's come from wuhan which is which is good but um yeah. on on that theme of healthcare, today's chat is all about some of the stuff that we we would have thought about at the beginning of the year things like alzheimer's and parkinson's and and diseases that do affect people in addition to covid unfortunately and actually we shouldn't forget about these because right now people are not taking themselves to hospital they are not getting themselves checked out there is predicted to be an, an extra 18,000 deaths this year due to cancer because early diagnosis are being missed so i think it's really important actually in this particular period to introduce our guest Luis, uh um forbes 30 under 30 co-founder and ceo of Ilof. Uh, we will go to the interview you'll find out why and we'll come back with some chat afterwards On today's podcast, I'm joined by Luis Valente. You are the CEO and co-founder of ILOF, Intelligent Lab on Fibre. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much, David. Joining us from Porto.
0: Yes, uh, doing my quarantine here, uh, having flown here um, a few weeks ago uh, from the UK when the quarantine started. I'm now uh, hopefully in the end of my quarantine period and I'll be returning soon.
1: How severe is the lockdown, if you don't mind me asking? Because obviously here in the UK, we can go for a walk or a run. Um, I know that in neighbouring Spain, people are literally locked in their houses. Is is it somewhere in between the two or are you a bit more
0: relaxed at the minute in Portugal? Yeah, so we're actually at the, uh, I would say, at the strictest period uh, of the lockdown. It has fluctuated between more flexible and more uh, strict. But probably at the most strict point now with Easter celebrations, uh we literally cannot leave our parishes. Uh we, mm-hmm. we need to remain uh within a radio of around probably five, ten minutes uh radius from our houses at all times, but we can uh go for a walk with our dogs uh and, and go for for food to buy food at the supermarket.
1: Now I suppose without wanting to sound glib about it, but this in a strange way could do your business narrative wise some positives in the long run because i know before you hit record that you you were keen to talk about the difficulty in selling science and it'd be really interesting to find out from from your own words how what ilof does but as i understand it it's it's all about personalized precision medicine and tackling uh diseases like alzheimer's which traditionally is quite hard to position in cell science although now i'd imagine there's a lot more of an understanding and a willingness to do so
0: yeah absolutely uh, absolutely so for for many years we've been using uh as a, as a society we've been using uh, a kind of a framework where you develop uh, one drug uh, and and that same drug is supposed to work for everyone It's supposed to, so the way that drug works. So for example, if we take uh, a paracetamol, uh, it will work for you, it will work for me, it will work the same way for everyone. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the number of uh, drugs um, and even the number of diseases that behave the same way for all people uh, is, is, so the number of drugs is certainly uh, shrinking. So the number of new drugs that you're going to develop that will work for everyone um, is now um, a very small number. Every problem, every big major health issue that could be solved using that one-fits-all drug approach is probably tackled by now. Um, and, and the challenges that we have, and in those challenges, Alzheimer is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges of our times, uh, is, 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 is really fitting this uh, paradigm of one does not fit all uh, at all. Um, so, uh, patients evolve very differently when medication that will work for you will not work probably for the under 90% of the population. So really the only way of tackling this, uh, is really to come up with, uh, personalized perceived, uh, medicine tools. And this is the mission behind ILOF is really helping, uh, clinicians, uh, hospitals, uh, uh, researchers and pharmaceutical groups develop, uh, Tailor made, personalized medicines that work for you, uh, even uh, in a case where uh, medicine will not work for all.
1: Mm. Out of interest, that that must be quite a challenge because I I was I was reading Bill Bryson's book The Body, and it was talking about the fact that basically all mammals. Uh, no matter how big or small, have about 80 million heartbeats in us. And that gets a human on average to about the age of 25. And of course, a lot of us are living a hell of a long way past 25. Um, as, As we get older, as life expectancy, because medicine keeps us alive longer, does that mean that you've got this balancing act of these drugs where... You know, you can end up with, with people like my grandma. I think she used to take about 15 different tablets a day to keep her alive for the last 15 years of her life. Is, is that part of the challenge that there are so many different conditions that one person can have now, especially, especially as they get older, that you, you, you can't just develop a drug in isolation even?
0: Absolutely. So uh, so the good part is that um, our bodies evolved to be pretty efficient, um, especially until reproductive age. So natural selection did, uh, I believe, most of the work uh, filtering uh, genetic disorders, filtering, um, well, um, disorders that hit you until uh, or when you're still uh, reproducing. So that, that's something that uh, natural selection did very well. The big problem here comes with diseases that uh, natural selection couldn't ever um, have a part on because they appeared later on life. Um, so there was no way that natural selection could really um, filter out um, all those problems and the people that are prone to have those problems because they appear later on in life and the majority of people would never live that long uh, because mm-hmm. of infectious diseases and and, and and actually plague-like diseases similar to the one we are experiencing right now. Um, uh, and it was really hard for uh, uh natural selection to, to really filter those out and this is really the problem so old age diseases like alzheimer like uh like parkinson uh, those are really is- are the real issue not only because they affect probably the most uh, um, hidden and 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 the most mysterious part of our bodies which is our brain but also because they only affect us on the old age um and 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 so our bodies were not trained to survive it, were not filtered out to survive it. Um, but yeah, so there are literally billions and billions of different biological profiles. Um, and actually, a lot of what does is really uh, taking a fingerprint, uh, a digital fingerprint of this biological profile, storing it on the database, and then matching it uh, with... Um, matching it with with appropriate uh, treatments for Mm. uh, very specific diseases. And again, Alzheimer in this case um, is probably the biggest uh, epidemics of our uh, times. Well, uh, probably not today, but generally speaking over the years. uh, It's been growing immensely. Um, It's expected uh, to double um, the current number of affected uh, worldwide by 2050, um, the costs for the whole system and the costs for the healthcare sector are really going to skyrocket. And uh, if we are going as a society uh, to keep functioning like the way we are now, uh, we're going to have to find a treatment. Uh, either it's 10, tri- ten treatments or or fifteen treatments to cover all the population, and uh, and either we need tools to really uh, stratify who can take each one of those treatments um but but we need them um we need them because otherwise we'll we'll, we'll probably won't be able to function uh with our el- elderly um population the way we do I, right now
1: just to jump in when you're talking oh, about course. when you talk about treatments forgive me if if i get this this wrong but 90% of of tr- drugs or trials drop out at that clinical stale, st- stage right 90% i think yes. and uh, yes. you mentioned 400 sorry this was before the recording but you mentioned 400 failed clinical trials is that over what time period is that 400 failed clinical trials and is that specifically around alzheimer's
0: yes it is so unfortunately over the last 14 years there have been over 400 failed major clinical trials just for alzheimer and no new treatment um, and, and, and the reason is, uh, are, are actually pretty simple. So first of all, again, Alzheimer is a pretty heterogeneous disease. Um, mm. so there was, um, there was a failure of this one fits all drug approach for many years. It has been tried. It doesn't work, unfortunately. And if you study a drug, the effect of a new drug in the general population, it will probably fail because you won't see significant efficacy. So you really need to target a specific uh, a part of the population uh, with a specific drug, because otherwise uh, you'll just see noise. You won't see people uh, generally getting better. So this is number one. Uh, number two, the biological knowledge behind the disease is still very poor. Uh, so uh, researchers need uh, ways of, again, not only develop personalized medicine, but also understand what kinds of of uh, Alzheimer's that is stratified for these biological profiles. Uh, mm. So this is why they fail. And number three, they really fail because, as you said, uh, unfortunately, the methods that are used currently to stratify people and to enroll people into these clinical trials are extremely invasive. So one of the methods that they use are uh, is, for example, lumbar puncture, which is basically sticking a needle into the patient's back so we're talking uh, a lot of the times of fragile patients, or the elderly patients, um, that sometimes, uh, unfortunately, are not uh, in 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 their best cognitive abilities, um, and and they are subjected to these uh, invasive and risky procedures, uh, and that leaves uh, actually ninety percent of the persons to drop out of the clinical trials, which is a big challenge for for clinicians, of course. So where where is
1: where is the angle where tech really makes the biggest difference is it is it making sense of data Is it reproducibility of some of these trials is it you know how, how does tech really improve yeah. the situation that you're painting which unfortunately sounds if we're being perfectly honest, fairly bleak in terms of getting new, new treatments to market
0: Yes yes unfortunately that's that has been uh, the big problem over the, the last uh, the last few years so it's really hard. Uh, so you need you need people to try the medication to know if it works. Number one, it's really hard to get the number of people that you want for the trial. Uh, so a lot of trials are canceled. Uh, they don't reach the end because either they don't get enough people or people just drop out um, during the trial due to invasive testing and risky testing. Um, so it's really hard to get people in the first place. And when you get those people, so 90% drop out, you get 10% that goes through. And then you have a second problem, which is of the 10% that go through, 80% don't have the right biological profile that the farm is looking. Because again, remember now we reached a consensus that uh, one drug is not going to fit for all. So they're already developing very personalized drugs, Uh, But but normally they're looking for a a, a sub part of the population uh, that's like 10 percent of the total number of people have alzheimer or 20 um so again 90 percent drop out 10 percent stay and of those 10 80 percent are discarded from the trial uh for not having the right biological profile uh for 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 the study so we're it's like finding a needle in the haystack uh, in order to recruit uh, two people you have to screen a hundred we're talking about very invasive and expensive tests um, it, 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 it really uh, it's a broken system um and and to be honest this is why we we, we target uh, we targeted uh, the Isle of platform initially uh, to to help Alzheimer's research because such a big problem with such a big effect on on society that we we, we just felt like, It was the right thing to do.
1: So coming back to this point about how do you sell science? Obviously, you've got a lot of scientists involved in your business, right? What's your background? Are you you a lot of
0: scientists? Or no, you are a scientist? Yeah, I was before. So my background is actually in engineering in computer science. Actually, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of our job is really make this bridge between life science and 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 computer science. It's a hot topic in these days, uh, but it's absolutely essential for for I love and yes. Uh, while I have um, a background in computer science, uh, uh, over the last few years i've become very very interested in how to make the bridge between science and use case um and and so i did technological transfer for a, a nonprofit r d institute for a while and i was really uh interested and, and 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 focus on how sometimes great technologies um they have their make or break not only on their uh technical uh and 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 um uh, and features alone, but also on the way that they're go, they're led to the market, uh, and 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 the way they're sold.
1: It's still interesting to hear that it's it's a difficult, to, difficult situation to sell. Science. I can see that it's time consuming. I can see that it's incredibly expensive. But then you're based in Oxford, and you think about Oxford and Cambridge, and there is a hub there of life sciences, and it's it's kind of seen as a bit of a a world leading centre for those kind of businesses. So you'd think that there'll be the appetite for those kind of businesses from investment because of the work that's coming out, of, in particular, those academic institutions.
0: Absolutely. So uh, um, so we can't really complain uh, of the Oxford Exx system. On contraire, it's it's amazing. It gives you and it opens opens you doors that you probably wouldn't have access to. Um, if you're not based there, and if you're not, uh, so we, we we have the honor and, and pleasure to be accelerated uh, within the official Oxford University Accelerator, which is the Oxford Foundry. Uh, and and by the way, if any startup is listening, uh, they run yearly uh, yearly long cohorts. Um, it's an amazing tool to scale up and and fast track your uh, deep tech uh, startup. And I really, um, I really uh advise everyone to take a look um like if you get in and if you are invited to join it will certainly accelerate your 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 progress but yes like you said uh we have uh the pleasure of working with like world-class leading uh scientists in in tech hubs and life science research hubs all over uh, oxford and yes, absolutely. Uh, it helps a lot on, on the translation part of our science. But again, uh, I like to think that there's good science being done. Everywhere is good science being done. Uh, in Italy, in Spain, in Portugal, in uh, uh, in Nigeria, in San Francisco, everywhere around the world. And, and, and the big problem sometimes is really how do you sell it? Uh, and we have, uh, I think I could probably share a couple of cases, but... I remember there was one time uh, in a previous completely different application uh, that we were trying to sell um, a technology. So it was an ECG-based uh, portable device to a pharma. Um, and, and and one of the meetings actually failed with a very specific pharma, failed um, because they really didn't understand the use. Uh, mm. And on a later uh, meeting with the same people, they were like, how did we not see this before? Like, there's a huge business case for that. Uh, and it was the same tech, it was the same team, it was the same device, uh, but it was presented um, having its benefits on a different way. Um, so a lot, a lot of uh, the work of a scientist, not only to develop great tech, but also to know uh, how to bring an application to that tech that it was developed. And that, that, for me, was also very interesting since since the start.
1: Well, look, Luis, I really appreciate your time and, and taking time to dial in, as you are at the minute, in, in Portugal. Obviously, uh, it is Easter this weekend. We're recording on Thursdays, so the day before Good Friday. Um, do you have a,
0: a a tradition for chocolate eggs in Portugal? <laughs> we do. We actually do. I think probably we're going to skip it this year. Oh, no. Why? I've got I've got a small mountain of eggs. I'm
1: going to to just gorge myself on chocolate over the weekend.
0: (laughs) I'll probably try to do the same within the house, but I'll probably like to do the same.
1: Fair enough. Well, look, thank you very much for for, uh,
0: spending some time
1: chatting to us this morning and have a happy Easter.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, David. Happy Easter to you, too.
1: So uh the platform itself we both look we <laughs> neither of us are scientists uh both of us are, you know sales guys by background um so we we took a bit of time to kind of fully really appreciate what this platform does but the idea of a digital foot or fingerprint rather uh of your biological makeup and then matching that to treatment is a really interesting one because it's hard uh as i think i mentioned in the interview to understand exactly how you're going to treat people the older they get. I saw my grandma take God knows how many different tablets. My mom now has God knows how many different tablets that she takes every day, single day to keep her alive. Human beings aren't really built to survive, even to our age, to be perfectly honest. And it is, it is getting more expensive and harder to keep people alive. And yet when I open the news today and I see that uh, an ex-Leeds United and England footballer died at the age of 72, my natural reaction is that's no age at all
2: hmm true how it's um it's just weird isn't it like at the moment how how our I guess understanding of age and yeah you know, without being too kind of um graphic but you know when people need to die or, or what is the the natural age that you know someone passes away is is it's completely gone out of the window in what well, mm. for me anyway over the last few few weeks where You just never know um but one thing that i did think of actually when i was hearing the interview was we're quite lucky here in the uk and i know nhs is quite topical at the moment but we're quite lucky that we have a health service which we're not having to fork out of our pockets every time we go and see a specialist or every time we go and see you know a, a consultant or what have you and what made me think was countries where healthcare is is very very expensive Based and on not, insurance, and- yeah and based on insurance and not readily available like it is is with us um you know to have something like this where they can they can almost skip the whole investigative process a little bit and and say well you know according to the algorithms according to technology this is what we think you know may or may not be right and then can trigger that specific thing so i just think it would save people well a lot of money firstly and you know people can have the, the treatment quicker um you know yeah then, well then, anything
1: then anything that leads to early diagnosis uh, diagnosis early diagnosis and uh and treatment is going to save money and take strain off the system as a whole hmm. um and at the minute we don't have anything like forget early diagnosis we don't have anything really for alzheimer's or parkinson's someone yeah. gets alzheimer's it is just trying to delay the inevitable. And, as Louis says, fourteen years, four hundred failed clinical trials in that period of time for alzheimer's alone um and of one hundred people entering a clinical trial, I think it only two then I think he mentions make it through to the to the clinical tests, and the tests are expensive and they're invasive so oh. it's a broken it's a broken system oh. they need we need to try and think about a different way of approaching these problems because right now we do have a, a population that is getting older that is yep. racking up various different ailments i mean christ i'm 35 and i'm on 20 milligrams of a torvastatin every single bloody day because oh. my heart thanks to my parents and my grandparents is a flipping ticking time bomb so that's something that is is, oh. is costly and whatever else and yeah you know as, as people get older they they do end up costing everyone a bit more money and pills and doctor's visits and whatever else and anything that can be done to to alleviate that is really important
2: yeah 100 percent. and i think also with with something like like alzheimer's i think it's i think louise kind of alluded to it a little bit where it's it's almost a little bit of a forgotten about you know kind of terminal illness where Mm. people you know because it's associated with a certain age bracket it's gone oh right alzheimer's or parkinson's or whatever we're gonna you know um we're going to diagnose that and and that's it we'll just you know try to prolong anything that that someone may have left um but I think with doing stuff like this firstly raising awareness is massive and and kind of you know people actually understanding or you know if there are some trigger points then maybe I should you know consult a doctor and that sort of thing I mean my my granddad passed away from Alzheimer's and it's you know you when you see the I'm sure you know there may be some listeners that, that understand where I'm coming from, but when you see the the kind of deterioration in someone, you actually understand how you know bad the the kind of illness is. And if there's anything like what Louise's is, is, you know, organisation is looking to do, then I think that will will be very very rewarding for a lot of families, a lot of people.
1: Do you think people look at it separately or differently rather because because there isn't a cure and because it's not sudden, mm. it's a slow deterioration
2: yeah and
1: Uh, people kind of apart from the immediate family who it affects terribly Mm. you just kind of slip out of society so so what in the same way i don't know so so what we're saying
2: is so that's so then others that are a bit more sudden and drastic should be prioritized i'm not sure if there's a right or wrong answer no no, sorry no
1: that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that you know when, when you kind of go something like alzheimer's maybe goes a bit unnoticed because yeah. it is a kind of a a quiet killer yeah. people tend to then be looked after by their families and they slip out of society a little bit and it's yeah, the yeah, deterioration yeah. And there's not a cure yeah. so you kind of go oh that's awful
2: mm. but what can be done yeah
1: exactly whereas yeah. if there was a cure yeah. then it'd be like no we're going to fight this thing you know someone yeah, gets yeah. cancer yeah
2: you're going yeah. to fight you're going to get through
1: this you're going to survive yeah. you're going to recover yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have that. You don't have that. Yeah, it's nah.
2: Yeah, it, it, um, it's quite an odd one. Um,
1: well, I don't get. I mean, I do get it, and I don't get it. What, what, I, what I don't understand is, is increasingly, we like I, I remember a few oh god maybe 15 20 years ago having the conversation where it's like oh every, everyone seems to know someone who's had cancer oh. and i'm I swear when i was a kid that wasn't the case i swear oh. more people seem to have cancer now than they used to and again oh. it's it's the same with kind of older diseases like alzheimer's and parkinson's maybe it's just because i'm getting older and i'm more aware of it but I, I swear that there are more more prevalence and more cases of it and you would think that that would make selling science certainly health tech science easier
2: Mm, I Yeah, I, I would. So many people. I'd 100% agree with you. It's like you know, if you look at the technology that's available, there is. I wouldn't say there's one bit of technology. I, I might be getting shouted at by people listening to this podcast again, but I don't think there's one bit of technology that hits everyone. You know, in in a certain way, or you think about mobile phones, or or I don't know, your your kind of wi-fi internet that sort of stuff but i think if it was health tech everyone at some point has had to see a medical professional everyone at some point has had to go through some sort of illness some sort of treatment whatever it may be in whatever you know form and with health tech specifically i think because that hits a lot of people and it hits everyone in the population of the world all eight billion of us i think it is if things like that were readily available it just it changes. I don't know. It, it just changes lifestyles. It changes people's outlook on life, and you know, with, with things like having the the technology available, I I think it's it's I think it's it's where we need to go. And I'm I'm surprised why there, there's not more talk about it at the moment. Or well, there there is at the moment, given the the time we're in. But you know, go back three months or two months, then it wasn't really talked about. We were still on the old you know ai big data data lakes you know cloud technologies or you know that that sort of stuff um, what i also find well,
1: fascinating yeah. is we've all got smart devices in our homes smart speakers we start, we accept cookies on every single website we go onto we <clears> click <throat> read agreements when we haven't read them we don't read them yeah <laughs> um and i'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful with our data of course we should be careful with our data but we're so in careful and imperfect in all of our other uses of data and yet when it comes to health people mm. get very funny and it's like well hang on a minute data data <laughs> i i was looking at my phone the other day I, i've had a sore neck for a few days i hadn't typed into any device treatments for sore neck i'd just spoken about it to my wife forgetting that we've got amazon electron in the house didn't think anything of it i don't think anything of it half the time but on my phone an advert for for, for kind of neck stiffness popped up
0: and i literally Whoa. hadn't
1: typed it in anywhere yeah and it's like you know we are so kind of flagrant with our use of data, but when it comes to health tech, and here's a really useful, really meaningful way that can help so many people and help so many families. And yet somehow we get very nervous about data and health. And I, I don't quite understand what it is about, what it is about health and personal health that people get funny about when it comes to data, when they, when they couldn't seem to give a shit at the rest of the time. Perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, th- I think because that's, that's when physically you feel like it's intrusive because it's, actually you know telling or or typing out you know things like um things like your weight you know your Mm -hmm. your bmi your height your blood group that sort of stuff people will think oh well this is a lot of personal information but they don't mind making an instagram story of every particular place that they were in on you know a certain Mm -hmm. day on a holiday you know starting from breakfast all the way till you know the the evening kind of bar where they, they're having cocktails so but people won't find that as as being intrusive because you know you're just kind of playing into what it's meant to do but when it's coming to those sorts of you know information or that that type of information it's, it's being intrusive I think personally if we are gonna move out of you know that mindset we need to be a lot more open with our um with with our kind of you know personal uh, in, in not illnesses but like personal details in regard to mm. to that because i think what we've seen in more recent times and again i keep you know banging on about it but with this whole coronavirus phase we now everyone needs to be a lot more transparent and i think we talked about it a few weeks ago in the, or was it? yeah a few weeks ago in the podcast where the nhs are looking to bring out an app now the only way that app can work in terms of human tracking is if everyone was to be honest and put whether or yeah. not they've experienced symptoms, whether or not they've been around people that have experienced symptoms. And if, you know, data is the old saying, right? Data is only good, as good as, you know, the person who's entering it or, or whatever, right? So I just I just think we need to find that, um, the kind of happy medium in people sharing that information um, and also using it wisely.
1: Well, look, Luis, thank you for being our guest. Uh, very much enjoyed it and the chat about Ilof, Uh We will go to an advert break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Zoom very quickly.
0: My fa- oh, That's like asking my favourite child.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite podcast? Uh, I think Football Ramble.
0: House of Rugby.
1: Um, Billy Yang's um, podcast. Freakonomics. Um, is Science Versus. And they're always very quirky. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I listen to that a lot just because the camaraderie and the individual's. YourCast is a brand new podcast series where we talk to people making podcasts. On this show, you're going to hear some exciting new talents, as well as some of the biggest names in the podcasting industry. We're releasing weekly in all the places where you'd normally get your podcasts from. So on Tuesday, uh, Phil Perry, the head of UK and Ireland, is going to be interviewed for this show. Uh, that may well be the 300th episode that that interview is on. Phil, Phil is the head of UK and Ireland for Zoom. So I thought we'd talk about Zoom very quickly, kind of like yeah. plugging a future show through our tech news. Uh, Zoom has had to admit that it doesn't have 300 million users. Um, so they have admitted... Um, It doesn't have 300 million daily active users. The admission came after The Verge noticed that the company had quietly edited a blog post making the claim earlier this month. Zoom originally stated it had more than 300 million daily users and that more than 300 million people around the world are using Zoom during this challenging time. Later, they deleted that reference from the original blog post and now claims that 300 million daily Zoom meeting participants. Uh, The difference between a daily active user and a meeting participant is significant. Daily meeting participants can be counted multiple times. So if you have five Zoom meetings in a day, that's five times, not just the one. So Mm. interesting change in stats. Um, You're kind of going, well, what, who cares? But I think it is quite relevant at the minute because Zoom was the one that we were all talking about. At the beginning of this process in a big way and i think everyone is still using zoom but earlier today i had a meeting um on ring central obviously teams are really kind of pushing it from the business perspective they're claiming 75 million daily active users um microsoft had had recorded 200 million meeting participants in a single day this month then there's google meets you know hangouts let's not forget hangouts uh cisco so webex this is, uh, oh, sorry, and Facebook are thinking of entering, aren't they? Facebook have announced that they're going to bring out our products. So it's a real battleground. Now that we know that regardless of lockdown being lifted, so many companies are going to remain at least semi-remote. Mm. This has become a really interesting, complicated landscape with a lot of different big actors and, and kind of, I don't know, I know Zoom's had its criticism around... Um, it's security but they almost feel like the scrappy underdog that are now kind of now the the big guys are coming in you know the facebooks and so mm. on and some of the legacy applications and, and throwing their weight around a bit
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm sure when that platform kind of came out they you know they they weren't anticipating the amount of success that that they've had you know um no. if, if i if i look back a lot of my social interactions i know Obviously, there's been quizzes and that sort of stuff, Dave, that you've you've held all all kind of via Zoom, hit classes as well via Zoom. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I, yeah, I, I just don't think they they realised that they would be they would be the people that the giants would be chasing. Do you get what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, and I think to be fair, yes, the market has has led them to be kind of that 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 kind of uh, main player at the moment. But I also think that. People like Facebook, people like, um, you know, WhatsApp and and Cisco and all these places, they they need to then, you know, kind of up their game as well. Um, Mm. It's a very good product. But I think the the only thing I would say to Zoom is at the moment they're trending, they're very popular. They would need to do something to still keep very relevant. You you mentioned that long list and I was thinking of whether you were going to mention it, but you didn't mention Skype. Do you remember when they came out? Right? Well,
1: I mean, they're part of Microsoft now, aren't they? So I suppose yeah, to Teams, yeah, to Skype for Business, and that's yeah. Be,
2: yeah. But I think you can still get like your own Skype ID and stuff, right? So, but no one really has a, a Skype, you know, account. Anymore. I still have it
1: installed. It's still on my menu bar. Is well it on my laptop screen? All oh, right.
2: Minute. I will. Yeah.
1: I will put it to Phil on Tuesday, Akish. I'll ask him what you're going to do to stay ahead of the game. Everyone else is chasing you. What are you going to? Because at the minute yeah. they've got they've got the the lead, but it's going to be interesting to see how they evolve now that that they've got that audience.
2: Yeah. And also I hope they still carry on making it affordable, you know, not, not being the, not (laughs) once they realize that, because I know they did the thing with schools, right? So if you're like a registered educational body, then, then you get a free license for for Mm. however many people, which is great. Fantastic. But I also think, you know potentially i know a few people that work in healthcare they've been having training sessions on covid and how to deal with patients and all these sort of stuff all via zoom so i don't know if they've also opened it out to the healthcare um industry you know that might be a, a good question a thing. yeah that might be a thing to ask as well Look, this, um, this is
1: like prep for tuesday
2: well yeah exactly but everyone's just listening to it <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do guys this is brainstorming live <laughs> um anyway but zoom yeah great platform you know works works incredibly well minimal effort required just to get on it fantastic Keish, thanks for your time today no probs no probs
1: have a lovely weekend everyone we will be back with you next week